10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. It's time once again for another Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you. A lot of good stuff to get to in this episode, but we want to lead off with what was the biggest story of the week in A-State Athletics, the Sunbelt Track and Field Championships being held in Lafayette, Louisiana this past weekend, and the A-State women bringing home yet another title. They win the Sun Belt outdoors for the third straight time, second straight year that the program has won the Triple Crown, which consists of the indoor, outdoor, and cross-country titles. And now the A-State women, the all-time winningest program in Sun Belt Conference history. What a weekend for the Red Wolves. Yeah, it really was. And I know we'll, we'll get more into that a little bit later with our guest, but I hope Arkansas State fans everywhere and look, I get it. We understand we understand there are sports that get most of the attention because that's just the way of the world. But I hope Arkansas if you're an Arkansas State person, I hope you're uh, taking the right amount of time to appreciate what this track and field program is doing right now. They are the standard in the Sun Belt and we'll say that even though the men got edged out in their side of it. It doesn't change the fact that Arkansas State's the standard. It doesn't change the fact that every other team, whether they admit it or not, every other team that went to Lafayette last week with a chance to win that title, they weren't really talking about, hey, we want to win the league. They do, or we want to win the conference meet. They're talking about they want to beat Arkansas State because they knew it was going to require beating Arkansas State to do that. The bar has been raised so high with both the men and women with them, at least, inside the program. And we've heard this from several folks that it's a disappointment if they don't win mm-hmm. the championship. Even though the men had a strong showing, they finished second at last week's Sunbelt Conference outdoors. Again, that's where the expectation level is that they're disappointed with that. And then, as a program, they're so tight knit that it probably affects the women's ability to celebrate their title. Right, because yeah. I mean they're over there disappointed for the guys because they finished second, and now you're looking at every other team in the league other than South Alabama would have loved to have finished second, and the team that did is pissed off about it. <laughs> so the women are champions. The men finished second at the Sun Belt Outdoors, and a lot of individual champions. We want to mention this: uh, Sophie Leathers wins the 5K. Cameron Newton-Smith, what an athlete she is. She takes the gold in the javelin. Lauren Beauchamp wins the pole vault. Other champions on the men's side, Imar Palmasimo wins the hammer throw. Seth Waters wins the 800. Bennett Pascoe, our buddy Bennett, sets the meet record while winning the 1500. He also repeats as the steeplechase champion while setting the meet record in that event and then no surprise carter shell wins the long jump and you know one thing we've done on this podcast we've tried to include track and field as a big part of this because we have so many phenomenal athletes and these names i'm reading off here are names that we're talking about a lot and it doesn't matter what meet they're at they're right there at the top of the leaderboard every week arkansas state's got 16 sports 
this program we're talking about is six of the 16. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's what, 37.5% or something like of the sports at Arkansas State are in this program. Men's and women's, cross country, indoor and outdoor track and field is six of your 16 sports. The season's not over for many of these athletes. Of course, you got regionals and then hopefully, you know, some people going to nationals after that. So, Again, congratulations to the Ace Day women on their first place finish and the men for finishing second in Lafayette. Meanwhile, the Ace Day baseball team played four games last week. They did go over to Memphis in the midweek and defeat the Tigers by the score of 14 to 8. 14 runs on a season high, 18 hits in that game. That was fun to be a part of. And then they had to host Georgia State. This past weekend, a Georgia State team that's been really up and down (laughs) this year. We kind of joked on last week's podcast about we didn't know which Georgia State team would show up because they got off to the phenomenal start to conference play. They were in first place four weekends in at 10-2 and in league play. Then they got swept three weekends in a row. And then they had won two out of three against Appalachian State heading into this series in Jonesboro and Unfortunately, we saw the good Georgia State team this past weekend as they take all three games, 10 to 2 on Friday, 7 to 4 Saturday, and then Senior Day Sunday, Georgia State wins in a closer game, 5 to 4, and I know you were calling that game too, but mm-hmm. you know, that's a game that's tied at 4. After seven innings, the Red Wolves actually had back-to-back home runs to tie it up in the seventh, but Georgia State, to their credit, comes up with a big pinch hit in the top of the eighth, and they're able to hold on. And it's just a, a thumbnail of, of the season for Arkansas State in that the Red Wolves pay a price for seemingly every mistake they make. Two errors lead to two unearned runs in a game you lose by one. We've seen that play out many times yeah. this season. And we mentioned Senior Day. The eight seniors honored on the field before Sunday's game. There was also a cool moment on Friday. There was actually a graduation ceremony held on the field. Six of our players who weren't able to walk the previous weekend because they were playing that series at South Alabama were out there in cap and gown with Chancellor Kelly Danfus. They were lined up on the first baseline and received their diplomas before Friday's game. So that's always neat to see. And Dr. Danfus has always been great about that kind of stuff. And there's been so many stories over the years where he's gone out of his way to take diplomas to people who weren't able to walk. The coolest. A lot of times you'll see it be, let's say, people that have gotten masters in somewhere in the education side, so they're working teachers. And to see him load up and drive to who knows where. I mean, I know for a fact they went to Marmaduke or, or, and did one one time where, you know, he rolls up in there in, in his full regalia, the cap and gown, to give somebody their degree and and give them a commencement ceremony when he find when he knows they didn't have a chance or to get the opportunity to go through theirs. It's it's one of the coolest things he does. So with the Red Wolves getting swept, they now to get to the Sun Belt Conference tournament in Montgomery next week need to go into Monroe and sweep the Warhawks this weekend. And they also need a little bit of help. Georgia Southern needs to win their series at home against UTA. You would think that's a strong possibility of happening. But, again, A-State has to win all three on the road this weekend against ULM if they want to continue their season next week 
at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We talked about the Sunbelt Women's Outdoor Championship this past week. One key member of that team, Grace Flowers, is in studio, and she'll join us next here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are thrilled to be joined in studio by a member of that A-State women's team that just won a third consecutive outdoor conference championship, a grad student from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Grace Flowers. How you doing, Grace? Doing good. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I see, and maybe it's just because I see more of Grace's social media stuff than others, but I feel like from my vantage point, I would consider you one of the leaders of that team. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Definitely fair. I'm team mom. I'm connected in every decision, coaching wise, helping wise, just definitely all around A-State. I'm everywhere. (laughs) So you've been at Arkansas State six years, is that right? Six years, 2016. I signed my NIL, no wait, NLI, you know. NIL, no NLI. Well, yeah, it's easy to get them mixed up anymore. In 2015. So I feel like I've been a part of the team since I signed that paper and it's been a wonderful six years. So I would do it all over again. You've won all these championships now. How do you celebrate after you win one? How did you celebrate after you won in Lafayette the other day? We definitely celebrate as a team. We we're all together. We were exhausted, first off. The heat index, the sun, the long days, the delays. But it didn't feel the same, the men not winning. You know, the women want to celebrate, but they want to celebrate with the men, too. We're a different sport where... We are together. We are a together team. So it wasn't the same, but we definitely were thrilled for us to win. We fought hard for this one. So how many, now this closes yet, how many conference championships are you a part of? I'm a part of six. I'm also one of the few, I think I am the only one, who knows what it's like to be second place. So I know that feeling also. And that's why we fought hard to win six after that. Nine for the cross country, but six rings for me. Is it to that point, though, and you mentioned the disappointment for the men, they finished second. A lot of teams would be thrilled with that, but they finished second. The women win. Mm-hmm. You say it's just not the same feeling. So is it just to that point with this track and field program now, I guess on both sides, where if you don't win a championship, it's a total disappointment? For us, I mean, I feel like our team was the better team. There was just... Things just didn't go our way. We didn't get it done. We can't blame it on one person. Uh, just we lost one or two points throughout three days, and it added up, and it came down to the 4 by 4 There was a false start. Everyone held their breath. They green-carded it, which means no one's disqualified. That was our only chance, and um, they lost. And it was, you know, congrats to South Alabama. They had a great performance, but for the men, it just kind of it was sad. And this is, we, we've talked about it here. One of the things Coach Patchell has taught me by osmosis over the years and, and sort of the anatomy of winning a championship is that it's not about going out there and 
winning every event. It's about where can all of a sudden you score fourth place points you weren't counted on, exactly. or a third here, a sixth there, because you can get points and all these things, and that's what stacks up. So over the course of three days, it could just be a place or two. There may be a place you thought you were getting fifth place points and you got nothing. That it just exactly it just adds up over the course of three days. Exactly. It was the first time for South Alabama to win one in Sunbelt history. They had a great three days. They got lucky. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> well, and you've seen you've seen how this program has evolved. Yeah. You mentioned since 2016. Yeah. How different is just the overall feel around this program from 2016 until now? Wow. So and the expectations the, around yeah. this program. We have very high expectations for each other. Excellence, in matter of fact, is our expectation for each other. And, you know, after we lost uh, second place, men and women, actually just women, we came together as a team in 2017 and we made our, our ethos, you know, our quote, and we live by that. So it's just, we expect excellence in each other and just the environment has changed since then. And our coaching staff, our recruiting, we believe in each other. So that's a big difference. You talk about that belief in each other, and it's amazing. And Caleb Garner does a great job from sports information, and he's here in the studio with us today. But it seems like he's always putting out a, a new personal record or a school record for somebody. And it just seems like that's part of the deal. When you look at the other student athletes in this program, is there anybody that you're in awe of? Wow. My favorite performance this week, I already I tweeted this, was the women's javelin, open javelin. We had three heptathletes, so not their main event, in the open javelin, in the conference meet. Cameron Newton-Smith wins it. Freshman multi gets fifth, or I might be getting the positions wrong, and then other multi for the past four years, who's a main long jumper, gets in it, PRs by three meters after not touching it, and get six, and we got massive points. So just really impressed by Cameron Newton-Smith as an individual, but as a whole, we really stepped up for each other because there were moments where we didn't get the points that we needed in a certain event, and then you know we have a group message saying, okay, next event, we have to step up. Now, over the years and all these championships you guys have piled up, there have been some of them that uh, there have been times it's come down to the relays, the last couple of events, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. We don't even run it anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But this time, I mean, you guys were borderline in the spot. You didn't have to show up Saturday, much less the relays. You might have could have just taken Saturday off. I don't so, know about that. So which is which is more fun, oh. obliterating people or taking it down to the wire? I mean, down to the wire. My favorite championship was 2019 home. We won it for the first time after getting second so many years because it was close and it was exciting. But I mean, there is definitely a pride and not having to put our team out there in a four by four, already knowing we're winning, we're already standing by the podium. Um, <laughs> They're racing; you guys are standing <laughs> over there on the podium. So it's it's hard to tell, but when it comes down close and you see the grit, it is exciting. You set a PR in this last meet, won the bronze and the hammer throw. Congratulations Thank on you. that! Thank you. So tell us all of your events. I'm a hammer, discus, shot put, and weight thrower. And um, I was recruited as a discus thrower. I was really bad at shot put. Coach Kraft improved my shot put by 10 feet, which is massive. And then he converted me into a hammer thrower, which is insane. And now I'm going to regionals for hammer, and I'm officially retired in the shot put and discus. And you own the school record in the weight throw. Yes. So how do you get into all this stuff? (laughs) 
Did you play other sports growing up? How did you end up in track and field? Yeah, I get that question a lot. I think Brad asked me that a couple times. Um, And I played everything. Most track athletes, they're multi-athletes, multi-sports. I played soccer, I played rugby, tore my body up playing different sports. You're a rugby player. Yes, yes. I almost played for the U.S. 2016 Chula Vista women's rugby team. And my dad basically sat me down and he said, you're going to keep getting injured and you're not going to get a degree. So let's figure this out. And I decided to stay with track and Coach Kraft recruited me. Well, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. But only he and I saw what you did when you were talking about playing rugby. So tell the people listening what you just did. I have a, you know, I broke my collarbone six inches scar. I was showing them my screws. I've torn my labrum twice. I've had three knee surgeries in the past six years. I've had multiple injuries with track also. So my dad's quote of you're going to keep getting injured playing rugby didn't mean I wasn't going to get injured playing track. Um, so, but I mean, it definitely got me a degree and I worked for, you know, full ride after my first year injuries and I'm thankful for that. So were there other athletes in your family? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I have four older brothers. The main other athlete was my brother, uh, David Taylor flowers, who, who recently passed in my season, March 22nd. He was a great athlete. We talked about this before we started doing the interview and, and you mentioned your brother and mm-hmm. This is as good a time as any to talk about this because Mm -hmm. you said you did want to talk about this today. Absolutely. It's part of it. (laughs) And this is very, very recent where Mm -hmm. your brother passed. Tell us uh, about your brother. Oh, David. We call him Taylor. He was just a good old hippie boy. He looked like Tarzan and Jesus mixed together. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He was 30 years old. He just slept really hard. I was telling them this story before we started. I used my my job when I was young, my older brother, would to wake him up to get to school because my mom had to take my other brother to school. And I would set my bags in the front, be ready to go, open up the door, and I'd spray Febreze in his face like a little sister should uh, to wake him up. Because <laughs> anything else would not work. And he'd come chasing after me, Gracie, uh, you know, but it'd get him up. But, you know, he recently passed. Uh, he was asleep in a house fire, his house. And, um, well, actually, not his house. Uh, he had no belongings there. He was with a friend. He was just staying on the couch until his new house was ready. And uh, he just slept through uh, smoke inhalation, no burns, totally beautiful. Organ donor, heart went to a man in Texas. The surgery was successful. The man's mm-hmm. alive. Uh, his other organs went to a man in Tennessee, older gentleman, and hopefully one day we get to meet him. So I'm not sure their names or anything, but it was yeah. amazing. Us again, mm-hmm. from social media and seeing you guys go through that. And you said it was a part of your season because it happened during the outdoor season. But yeah. I, tell me a little bit about, you already described him as a hippie, but <laughs> clearly this, this was kind of a free spirit. Tell me a little bit more yes. about him. I mean, he did everything. He was an athlete. He was an arborist. He loved nature. Self-taught violin, self-taught pianist, guitar. You know, wow. was very, very invested in the Tulsa community. Hundreds and hundreds of the most broad group of people I've ever seen in my life come to his funeral. We had a celebration. I mean, bands canceled gigs all around the state to come play in honor of him. <laughs> he just, you know, he was friends with homeless people showing up and rich people yoga moms and he just touched many many lives so he was very free he lived nine lives in fact probably he did more than we did in his 30 years combined with my entire family he he died with 67 cents in his bank account (laughs) so he money was never an object physical things he has two boxes of crap to be honest (laughs) 
And uh, two boxes. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing. He didn't need anything uh, worldly to be happy, but he was happier than all of us, hundred percent. There was a Facebook post that you shared, and I teared up the first time I read it, and I know a lot of people did the same thing, but it is an amazing testament to your faith, and I think it certainly is something that a lot of people will be inspired by, but when you found out that your brother was not going to make it... The 911 call. You pulled over on the side of the road yes. and called 911. Kind of tell us that story. Yes. Um, I think about this every single day. Obviously, I think about my brother every day, but it seems so impossible. My sister-in-law is a pastor in Boston. She she shared this as her Easter Sunday story because it talks about Jesus down the cross sounds impossible, but he's doing the impossible every day. So this moment it sounds unbelievable, but it's real. I'm driving to Tulsa after my coach telling me, you cannot drive, <laughs> you know, we're going to find a way to get you to Tulsa. And I already had my bags packed. Um, I got a call in that morning. Um, it was my mother's birthday. He passed it on my mother's birthday. Sorry. It's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Now I've told this a hundred times. So I start driving to Tulsa. I'm on I-40. I'm getting close. I don't remember a single mile. And, uh, I call my my mother for an update and my mom's pretty bipolar <laughs> and, you know, obviously in shock. And I ask her for an update, you know, cause he was on, they were getting tests to see if he had any brain activity and stuff. And she just flat out said, Gracie, you know, Taylor's not going to make it. <laughs> and then hung up the phone. <laughs> so she, I think it put her in shock saying those words cause I was the first person that she said it to. And I was mad at her because she can be really dramatic. So then I called my father and I was like, dad, is mom being serious? And he's like, he's the sad one. You know, he's, you know, it's his son. And he says, yes, he's not going to make it. We're looking for organ donation, you know, going through that. So, you know, my whole body goes limb. I can't breathe. I I'm on the highway. I have like one pinky on the steering wheel to pull over and, um, on the side of the road of I-40. It's so busy. And I call 911 because I'm going to die. Like I cannot breathe. Uh, I can't, like my chest hurts so bad. It's just a, a major, you know, shock. And um, the sweetest lady answers the phone, the 911 operator. And she's like, what's your name? You know, date of birth? Like, where are you? Well, what, what can I do? And I'm like in between hyperventilating, trying to explain to her, I'm on the side of the road. I'm in a black, you know, car and I cannot breathe. I, I cannot breathe. And she says, okay, I'm calling an ambulance. And then I was like, no, I was embarrassed. So I'm so sorry. It's just been a really bad day. And she said, I totally get it. I totally understand. Five years ago today, my brother passed away on my mom's birthday. <laughs> she and just volunteered that information. It was, it was an angel. I, I, there's no other way. It's real. But, and uh-huh. I, I froze. I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> you know, froze. And um, it says my mother's birthday. I just got news that my brother's not going to make it. And I mean, it was just the most emotional moment of my life that God, in my opinion, would send someone who knows exactly what I was going through. And then, you know, the state trooper pulls up behind me and, you know, she hangs up. I hang up. I said, wow, you know, I'm still in shock, crying. And state trooper's like, is everything okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay, but I'm going to make it. So it just gave me strength to make it home to say goodbye to my brother. She says that to help you. It was, in, I can't, it was incredible. 
but five what, years to the day. But I want to know, what'd she say when you told her that? Oh, she said, no way. She she started crying. She said, this is unbelievable. I mean, it, it just didn't make, I want to find her. I mean, it was just such a shocking moment in my yes, life. Like, you <laughs> should meet. Yeah. But um, I have to find which county she was at, you know, where she was. It just unbelievable moment. It's just incredible. It was God. I don't know. I'm like, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, was she real? Yeah. But I have, I have the screenshot of the 911 call. Like it was a real phone call. And obviously yeah. you're, you're hurting. You are beginning the grieving process at that point, but mm-hmm. how much comfort did you find just from that person on the other end of the phone? It just, it made me realize that, you know, if she got through that, you know, my family's going to get through this and, and I can make it home and, because I don't know if I would have made it home in that moment, but so you were able to drive. I was able to drive the rest back, of the way. The rest of the way, it gave me extreme comfort that I know that God was with us. God was with my brother. That he passed peacefully, and just so many emotions, even still. We talked about this before we started recording, and not often do we talk about. Well, never have we talked about student athletes and their relationships with one another. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's true. So this is a first, but you've been in a relationship. Your boyfriend is former A-State defensive lineman Forrest Merrill, and we love Forrest, yeah. and he's with the Chargers organization right now and, and doing great. But he was also close with your brother. Yes. I mean, he was so impacted by my, you know, my family. Obviously, he's our family. And, you know, he he drove down. He was in Springfield at the time and was just a massive help to my family. I don't think things would have gotten done without him. So our family is so grateful for Forrest to be like a strong person to get, you know, funeral stuff done, pamphlets done, driving to get dinner. You know, it was very emotional. My, my brother was a very free guy and and he lived with no consequences and did things without thinking, but good things. You know, he traveled a lot and he experienced a lot of great experiences. So me and Forrest were really touched, obviously Forrest. And he said, let's go live. Let's go do something fun in honor of your brother. And, you know, something he always wanted to see was the Sequoia National Park in California. And Forrest was already about to make this long drive to, you know, go back to training in LA. Obviously I can't go back to track right now. I I just, I'm in shock. And he said, let's go drive to the Sequoia National Park in California. And we drove, you know, three days. The first day, we're like, let's get an RV. Let's travel the world. The second day, we're like, F this. We are are absolutely not not doing this ever again. You know, he wouldn't let me drive his new truck either. So that was a big, I was miserable. No, we had a lot of fun. Took a bunch of pictures. Saw, you know, all the different stops on the way. And we've already seen the Grand Canyon. So we we skipped that. But no, super proud of him. Um, Super thankful for him. He's amazing. And uh, I'm really excited for his season. He had a rookie's, you know, contract signed. I'm sure you guys talked about this already, but working hard, you know, it's always a fight to see who's going to take the next spot. You know, every day is a fight for him to just keep proving people wrong. That's what he's done his whole life is proving people wrong and taking the harder path and 100% faith in him that he's going to get it done. He's a bit of a cult figure with a lot of those Chargers fans. I mean, it was like a, it was a hashtag free forest. (laughs) Yeah. I follow some really funny Chargers fans who who are obsessed with him. So it's great. 
He's getting really strong. He's leaned up. He's, he's fast. <laughs> he's oh, he's getting getting strong. Strong. <laughs> uh, stronger. Yeah. Stronger. Wow. Okay, we'll say I went to his, his first his first game. They're playing the Chargers, the first game that he's, you know, moved up from practice squad last year. And he's warming up. Beautiful SoFi Stadium. Incredible. And he goes up to the goalpost and he's, you know, pushing it and it moves. And one of the officials is like, hey, like you can't do that. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> you can't be moving the goalpost. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. But, uh, uh, oh, I want to backtrack a second because yeah. you, you've talked a lot about <laughs> with your brother. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm, I no, 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 I'm bouncing back because we were talking about Forrest too. But mm-hmm. I mean, this dude, clearly you, you mentioned all the things. I mean, he, he was a giver. Obviously that whole thing sucks, but yeah. how in a way kind of cool is it that now his last act was literally giving people life? I know it's, it's hard for me to think that my brother's heart is in another person, you know, they're living. And I'm so thankful. And his other organs are and another older man in Tennessee. And it's amazing that doctors can do this. And like, it's not as sad knowing that his, which is what he'd wanted. If he could have decided is what he would have wanted to save another life. And, um, you know, we, we planted his ashes as a tree because you know, that's just what he loved. And it's just I know that he wants to give back to this earth and to these people just like he did while he was living. So it's just it's him. It's who he is. You got a little hippie in you, too. I don't know. We're so different. Our whole family, all five of us. Wow. We don't look a whole lot alike. We don't act a whole lot alike. It makes reunions and Thanksgivings very yeah, that makes it more fun. <laughs> All the different political views and the. <laughs> so who are you like? Who who are you built like in that athletic sense? I definitely, sadly, look like my father. <laughs> 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 so we always joke about it, but. Also, I think part of me and Taylor, out of all the siblings, looked the most alike, but he had the most piercing blue eyes out of all of us. But other than that, I think we have the same kind of body build. I, I was taller than him, though, because he used to beat me up, and I, I had to get back at him from all those years. <laughs> I imagine it came, yeah, there came a point in time where that stopped. I mean, I was the, the bratty little sister. It was fun. We had a lot, I have so many memories. I'm now, so thankful. Are you the youngest of all the kids? I'm the youngest, yes. I'm the youngest. Um, so Andrew, Edward, Taylor, Oliver, me. And I am five years younger than my youngest brother, Oliver. Like, So I'm definitely the accident also. I've been told. <laughs> so, but no, I, I know they're thankful. Makes us whole. So I definitely feel like a piece is missing without without. Well, thank you for opening up and sharing yeah. that. Yeah. It's just an amazing story so, with the 911 operator in particular. Gosh. Yes. So, I mean, in, in six years, we're talking six rings and a forest and uh, yeah. this and that and one degree and probably multiple for it's all said and done. I mean, how would you sort of sum up your time at Arkansas State or what the place has meant to you? Wow. That feels impossible to do. It's just extremely grateful for the opportunities I've had. And, you know, in my freshman year, uh, I, I wasn't, I was distracted. My priorities weren't right. My grades weren't right. My athletics wasn't the best. And my coach, Coach Kraft, who's like my second father, you know, he kind of pulled me aside. I'm so young. And he's like, Grace, you know, I, th- I see a lot in you and you have a lot of potential. And I'm going to give you one more shot. And that was it. He's very military. Like he could have kicked me off the team, you know. And since that moment, I worked my butt off, you know, in every category. And he's, he's helped mold me into a leader I am today. And 
I definitely wouldn't have been able to do any of this without him giving me a second chance and, and seeing something in me that I didn't in that moment. Just all the people I've came in contact with, all the mentors, Amy Holt, you know, just, just so many incredible people who've helped guide me into what my plans will be in the future and motivate me and be a good worker in any field that I decide to go to. But Do you have your master's yet? Yes, I finished my master's last August, sports administration. I interned underneath A-State Athletics, underneath Amy Holt. I want to work my way to be a senior woman athletic director one day. Well, hang around Amy Holt. That'll help (laughs) She's incredible. I mean, everyone, everyone, Madison Stein, incredible. Our our new athletic director, just, I'm just really thrilled for A-State Athletics and Hopefully I get to be a part of that. You're one of the student athletes that got to meet with the new athletic director, Jeff Jeff Purinton, the Mm -hmm. other day. Tell us about that meeting. Oh, it was great. You know, I'm sure he's had a whirlwind of a week and just had a quick brunch with some of the the SAC leaders, leaders in every event, uh, every team. And he was really strong. I think he's going to be a great athletic director. He's he started from the bottom. He started as as a SID at SID and worked his way up. It's incredible, incredible career. Just a lot of good things to come. This has been quite a visit. <laughs> and well, again, we just appreciate you coming in. We congratulate you on all of your success Thank and you. everything going forward. We're going to be rooting you on. And Thank you. We have one more meet, regionals. We've got a good list going, about 17 athletes for sure. We go to Fayetteville next week. Back to practice today. I'm throwing the hammer. We get three throws, and then top 16 go to nationals. So it's it's pretty intense. So I'm excited. But thank you so much for having me, and it's been an honor to be at A State. Well, it's been our pleasure having you in here today. Good luck at regionals. Thank you. That's Grace Flowers from the A State Sun Belt Champion Outdoor Track and Field Team. We've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Right after this, the Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. What a phenomenal young woman Grace Flowers is. And, of course, she's been at Arkansas State six years, but her story is amazing. Again, just want to thank her for coming in and opening up the way she did today because that was really special. Yeah, she is a a favorite. Just gotten a chance over the years, typically about this time of year to have track athletes on the program coming out of championships. And she's been one who got a chance to visit with on multiple occasions, uh, really just a real level-headed young lady. And, and he says, appreciate her coming in and, and sharing her story. Now, on last week's podcast, our big story was the hire of the new athletic director and vice chancellor of intercollegiate athletics, Jeff Purinson. And we talked about him. But when we recorded, we recorded right before we went yep. to the big press conference over at the football facility. And, of course, we didn't have a chance to react to the press conference, but I can't remember. And, of course, we've had some big press conferences over the years, and our man Jerry Scott does a great, great job at putting these together. Mm -hmm. But that was as big of a crowd as I 
I think I can remember for one of those press conferences. And I was trying to kind of compare to those that we would hold over in the auditorium of First National Bank Arena. And I guess the room's kind of comparable size-wise. Maybe this new auditorium at the football facility is a little bit bigger, but it was almost jam-packed the other day for Jeff Purinton's press conference. Yeah, a big crowd, a great sort of cross-section of all kinds of different folks on campus or in the community and it was cool to see and i think most people left there having liked what they heard yeah and just can't wait to sit down for an extended visit with him and I mean, hopefully I, he's I, on this I, podcast very soon says i asked him the, the one question i said he would get asked on you the did podcast. ask it. yeah and i've you know had a lot of people actually come to me you know i've seen around or whatever since then so you know that that was a question they were glad he got asked just because i mean look it's a real thing his career's been at florida state and alabama places mm-hmm. where they got a lot of resources i'm not saying a guy can't do it not at all i fully anticipate he can but they want to hear him sort of say what's what do you think about that for the first time you're a place where money doesn't grow on trees you're in charge of planting the trees and his answer to that was hey even at alabama you got to stay on budget and people got a, a Chuck Levy said the numbers are just different. After the delayed reaction, people kind of laughed about. Well, yeah, they're they're different. Now here's the thing: what he said after that is you just got to get creative. They still did Alabama to the tune of you know he was out front in a six hundred million dollar capital campaign they had going. So yeah, I'm sure if you're trying to raise six hundred million dollars, you got to get creative. So I know that uh, there are things he can do to come in and help Arkansas State. Meanwhile, A-State baseball, and we mentioned this earlier, they got a big series coming up at ULM. Now, they will not play their scheduled game against Ole Miss coming up on Tuesday night. We're recording this Monday around lunchtime and found out late this morning that Ole Miss was not going to come over. And this isn't the only case of this happening. Uh, This was something that uh, i guess is becoming more common now late in the season in college baseball it's sort of and it's, i guess look, if i, if I say it read here, on it, something it, this would be it I, I don't know what it would have been so it might as well be this all right let's hear it well just don't get it twisted Ole miss didn't want to come and that's not about scared about getting beat it's not about that i'm not saying any of that stuff it's that their season's gone in a way where it's not their typical season. They've literally been everything from number one in the country to unranked over the course of this season. Now, they are coming off a sweep on the road at LSU but, over but the week. But they don't have much at stake. I mean, right, they need to go to Hoover and do some damage in the SEC tournament and, and, and see where it goes from there. And they just didn't want to fool with it. Where I'm sure they called and said, what's it going to cost to get us out of this trip? And again, they're not the only no, ones that are doing and it's this. Yeah, it's all of a sudden it's becoming a thing. We could rattle off five or six. And I'll tell you this, there's been other years where they would have had a better case for doing this. And they still came over and played this game. And this is always this time of year when they play. It's generally the last week mm-hmm. or two of the season. It'll be the last midweek home game where they come over to Jonesboro and play this game. And look, I mean, there's no other SEC schools that are playing us home and home in baseball. It's cool that we've had this agreement in place for as long as we have. And Mike Bianco is a big reason for that, Mm -hmm. the head coach at Ole Miss. So 
want to give credit to Ole Miss, but I was a little bit surprised that they did this just because they never had before when they had every opportunity. Because for whatever reason, it hadn't become a thing. And now it is. And I don't know if this is a out of COVID and all of a sudden people feel more comfortable about cooking up reasons to get out of games or what it is. But we've seen probably half a dozen instances at least across the country, including some other people in the Sun Belt that just have opted out of their last midweek game of the year for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, so it happens here. The main thing I don't like about it, and I know they had the weekend at home, and I know they had uh, the Senior Day Sunday, but for some of these guys, I mean, that list of eight, I mean, there may have been somebody you just took, the you know, Ole Miss just pulled away their last chance to compete on their home field. Even a Ben Klutz and Jane LeShazer, even when they walked off the field Sunday under Senior Day, they had Tuesday still to play at home. Yeah. And now they don't. You called and bought your way out of these guys' last chance to compete on their home field. Yeah, and I'm sure you would have captured the moment a little bit more knowing that was your last home yeah. game if you knew that was going to be your last home game on Sunday. Like but Carter still, Holt, for example. did you? And I don't know if you saw this or not, and, or, and you may tell me it happened every time. Carter Holt, you know, A-State has three starters, three senior starters in the weekend rotation. So Carter Holt's on the mound, former guest of this podcast. Tommy Raffo goes to make the pitching change. Sunday, Tyler Jeans comes into the game. Just that Carter Holt did not leave the mound until Tyler Jeans got there, and it was Carter Holt who handed Tyler Jeans the ball, and then he turned and walked to the dugout. I don't remember Carter actually being the one to hand him the ball. Usually, you see the starting pitcher hand the ball over to the coach, and he gives the ball to the reliever. He stood and waited the whole time. I didn't realize that. It was pretty cool, and I don't know if he said something to him. It wasn't long. He didn't stand around, but he did not leave that mound until Tyler Jeans got there. Wow. Well, Carter is one heck of a competitor, and going to miss seeing him as a Red Wolf, and, and hopefully he's got more than one appearance left in him. Uh, that means the Red Wolves got to get some stuff done this weekend. They'll play at ULM Thursday at 6, Friday at 6, Saturday at 1. And for those people that are planning on tuning in this weekend, we certainly hope you do. In Northeast Arkansas, you can hear those games on FM News Talk 102.1 and anywhere you are through the TuneIn app by searching KBTM. The reason for that is here at East Arkansas Broadcasters, we are the rights holder once again for all the baseball and softball state championship games. And the ticket radio network, where the baseball games usually are, is going to be carrying everything all day, Thursday, Friday, yeah. and Saturday. So pretty neat. Yeah, and it's great to have some Northeast Arkansas teams represented. So we're happy about that. But we'll have, yeah, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. We'll have all 12 baseball and softball state championship games on the air over on the Ticket Radio Network. Thanks again to Grace Flowers, Caleb Gardner, also for uh, setting up that interview. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.